let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC. Here in DC, cannabis is mostly established. Folks know how to use it and where to buy it. But what about psilocybin mushrooms? People use mushrooms for all kinds of reasons. And Melissa Lavazani, CEO of the Psychedelic Medicine Coalition, explains how to safely get started exploring mushrooms in DC. It's Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. Melissa Lavazani, you're the founder of a local org called the Psychedelic Medicine Coalition. First and foremost, I feel like when most people hear psychedelic medicine, they might have connotations of like a lazy stoner type. But from your work, it seems like that's not exactly true. Can you tell us the reality of what someone who might be interested in using mushrooms actually looks like? We're in a much different landscape than we used to be. I think that We've come to this new point in American history, and it's really happening all around the world, but especially in the U.S., where we're in a bit of an existential crisis. Um, the economy is not looking great. Politics is getting uglier than it's ever been. And we are post-COVID, yet some of us are still dealing with a lot of the issues that COVID brought up and dealing with some mental health challenges like anxiety. So I think psychedelic medicine and the interest that is kind of popping up all over the country is really a byproduct of all of this turmoil in our country. And it's really giving people hope that there are options that work. You know, veterans have been championing this idea for a few years now. They have come back from war and years and years after the war has ended that they're still dealing with P severe PTSD. And the only thing the VA has been able to do for them is to put them on cocktails and medications that don't work. And in fact, sometimes make them worse. They've they found their life again with this. It's from moms who are microdosing to deal with the stress of being a working mom like myself, or it's people that have sacrificed a lot and just want to feel better and want to feel like a regular human being again to people who work in Silicon Valley, who are microdosing for better productivity, to athletes that are battling their own traumatic brain injuries and coming back after psychedelic medicine. So there are a lot of applications here, and we just need to explore how psychedelics can be intertwined with our healthcare system and have it be accessible to the people that need it the most. I would love to hear more about your own personal experience kind of coming to find psychedelic medicine. Like, how did you find it? What was your experience with it like? So I was pregnant with my second child. I had a very difficult pregnancy compared to my first. So 
that all kind of turned into what they call antepartum depression. So that's depression during pregnancy. Um, I was told it would go away after I deliver the baby, but it came back about two weeks after I delivered him in the form of postpartum depression that was pretty severe. I had the full gamut of symptoms. I was experiencing anxiety, um, existential crisis, a deep depression. I had panic attacks uh, once a week at one point. I was toying with the idea of suicide. I was hearing voices at my lowest point. I was trying to go to therapy and getting every excuse I could out of the book to not go. And it was at a real low point was when I admitted to my husband that I was hearing voices and I, th- I thought it was totally normal. And he was like, oh my God, like this has gotten to a point that could, are we ever going to come back from this? A friend of mine told me to listen to a podcast that featured Paul Stamets, who's a mycologist, a mushroom scientist, and he was talking about the amazing mental health benefits of psilocybin mushrooms, or what we know as magic mushrooms. And as soon as I heard that there was research already happening at Johns Hopkins University, I was like, well, this is not the mushrooms that I thought I knew. This is like actually something legitimate that is worth exploring. You can buy the spores legally online. So we figured as a last ditch effort, you know, try this experimental drug in the privacy of your own home. Let's not tell any of our friends about it. We were breaking the law in many ways. We were growing a Schedule One substance. I started to microdose psilocybin mushrooms and just track how I was feeling. And it was really a matter of like three days where my husband says it, that like it was the first time after three days of microdosing that he saw me emotionally engage with our son since he was born. So... Um, within a matter of three days, I started to feel kind of my humanity come back again. And it was amazing that like I had no hope for improvement. I had convinced myself, like, this is my life. And this was part of the reason why I was thinking about suicide. And the mushrooms like got me out of my hole and got me to see that there is hope here. And it introduced me to this world of psychedelic medicine that was existing and a long history of psychedelic drugs in the U.S. that I had no idea about. And... I was like, well, D.C. was very early on in the forefront of decriminalizing cannabis. Why can't we make a logical argument for decriminalizing psychedelics? This completely changed my life around and gave me a fresh start. And why is this illegal? And how can we change the narrative with the public? I feel like people needed to hear from somebody like me that, you know, a normal person that has fallen on hard times and... um, has never, I never had a history with mental health like this. I never experienced anything like this and it can happen to anybody. And now it's a total career change that I've made to work in this space because this is a really important issue, if not our most important issue that our country could be dealing with right now. Yeah, you mentioned that when you and your husband first decided to grow your own mushrooms, you were technically breaking the law. Here in D.C., like, to what extent are mushrooms legal here? I feel like there's a lot of confusion around that. So technically, D.C. is not allowed to change any penalties around Schedule One drugs. And this law changed 
after cannabis was decriminalized. D.C. is is not a state, as many of us are aware. We don't have the same rights as states, and Congress has oversight of our budget and our laws. A representative from the Eastern Shore of Maryland, Andy Harris, implemented the Harris Rider, which has been attached to our budget every year since cannabis was decriminalized in D.C., and it says that D.C. shall not use any of their budget our locally raised money, the money that we DC residents pay to change any of the penalties with Schedule One drugs. So when the time came for us to explore psychedelics and what we could do with them, we created a regulatory change in that the Metropolitan Police Department no longer has offenses that involve psychedelic, natural psychedelics as a top priority. So these are amongst the lowest law enforcement priority for the Metropolitan Police Department. It's decriminalized still. It is just a, a way to circumvent the federal restrictions that are on DC, but also move the conversation forward on a local level here. As soon as it passed, and it passed with like overwhelming majority of 76%, I knew that we needed to engage with the police department really quickly and to get their temperature on this. So to them, this is a non-issue. There was 13 people arrested in 2019 that involved psychedelic mushrooms. Those, all 13 of those people were involved in the illicit trade on a much bigger scale. It does create a bit of a gray area for DC residents, but the fact that this is not perceived as a problem by our police department. And the fact that we will continue to engage with them on this issue and continue to educate the department about what's going on with psychedelic medicine, I think that it it's a relatively safe thing to do in DC. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in D.C. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. So if you're somebody who's walking down the street and get, for whatever reason, get caught with a small amount of mushrooms for personal use, 
it is unlikely that the police are going to make that a priority to pursue charges against you. Is that sort of what you're saying? Yes. Yes. It's kind of like the same level as jaywalking. Okay. Now, if you're jaywalking in front of a cop, chances are they're likely not going to write you a citation for that. The whole thing with MPD is like, is this causing a public nuisance? And I think if you're doing psychedelics in D.C. and just make sure you're in a safe place with people you trust, I would just in the privacy of your own home is probably the safest thing you could do. Yeah, that's really good advice. Someone I know might have said if you were going camping, that might be a nice way to experience it. Yes. I wouldn't know anything about it, but just in (laughs) case people are interested. It connects you to nature. Yeah. And I guess one of my questions is like, you, you were talking about how it's not really the kind of drug where we have gotten a lot of reports of people being a public nuisance or creating an unsafe situation for themselves or others. But all drugs have their side effects. Can, can you speak to that a little bit? Like, have you ex- like heard of or experienced side effects from folks doing it? Not necessarily side effects, but I've heard of people and I've had some pretty tough experiences myself of like, what do you call, quote unquote, a bad trip? You can have a bad experience on psychedelics. There's a lot of people, and I'm absolutely included in this camp, that's, you know, I say there's no such thing as a bad trip. It's just like a lesson that you have to learn to work through. There's two things that you really need to consider when you're going on an exploration with psychedelic medicine that is set and setting. These are two terms that have existed for a very long time. Set is talking about your mindset. If you are going into this experience and you have a a lot of weight on you, you're very stressed out, you've got a lot of conflict in your life, your mindset might not be in the right place to be open to have a good experience. And it might be if you aren't in the right mindset and you're not very clear-headed, it might be a good idea to wait to go through your psychedelic experience and setting is literally the setting that you're in. Some people enjoy doing it in camping, like you said, if that's not your thing, in the privacy of your own home with people you trust. You know, you are, um, you're very vulnerable when you're going through a psychedelic experience. Your mind kind of opens up, your emotions open up, and you want to be sure that you're contained in a safe place. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time talking about what it looks like or feels like when things go sideways, but Can you tell us a bit about what someone might expect in a situation where it's like, oh, no, this is not actually going the way that I might have wanted it to? My definition of difficult is just like being really emotional, crying and not just being able to understand what it is that's coming out of you. Sometimes I'm just crying for the sake of crying. And it's just energy that's finding a way to get released and get out of me. It can come in the form of anger at times, yawning laughing it can be it come it can come in any format but it's important that when you are going through something difficult and that can be physically painful too is to know is to rely on your setting that you're in and knowing that you're safe and you're comfortable where you are and you're going to be okay and this will pass you know everyone has their first time where they your trip goes south and it's not what you expect it to be it's not all just like joyous elation and laughing can get really hard, but as, as long as you're with pe- people that are experienced and have your safety first as a priority, they can help you work through it and know that your trip is eventually going to end. You're not going to be stuck like this forever. And this is maybe something that just needed to get out of you. Yeah, that's a good reminder if, to have in your mind, like, 
this is temporary. Not even if this is feels like a lot for me right now. It is temporary. Yeah. It will pass. What's next in this fight? Like, what are some of the obstacles to legalization in D.C.? I mean, absolutely. In D.C., it's getting the Harris rider removed and getting some control over the district. And not being a state really hinders us from moving forward with just cannabis reform in general. So that trickles down into psychedelics. So Colorado just passed a statewide ballot measure that legalized psilocybin therapy. D.C. does not have the ability to do that, unfortunately, because of the Harris Rider, but it would be the natural next step to implement a regulatory framework that allows people to do, to engage with psychedelics in a therapeutic way. But for now, I think it's just like continuing to educate the public on this issue. There's so much interest in psychedelics and by the general population especially in the district since this past. And we're trying to do our part to educate the public on this issue and have them understand concepts like set and setting and understand that you're always taking a risk when you buy any product in an unregulated market. There's no certifying body that's giving you accuracy or quality. And it's definitely at your own risk. I think the safest thing for D.C. residents who are interested in this is to grow your own mushrooms and be in control of your own supply. That's the only way to guarantee safety. Talk to your friends that are more experienced in the psychedelic space. Reach out in your community. Reach out to psychedelic societies. They are always great resources for people that are interested in this. And my organization, Psychedelic Medicine Coalition, we have a foundation that we have granted funds out into the community where we're just putting money in the hands of community leaders so they, they can get this message out, that they can talk about like safety and issues. We have a long way to go with our federal government. I think states are going to continue to pass regulatory frameworks that allow for access, and that is really important. But we have to make sure that our federal government does not get left behind in this conversation like it has been with cannabis. So that's what we've been advocating for with Congress is to get some federal research funding allocated so that we can actually take a look at much bigger, broader studies than what's currently being studied right now because everything right now is being funded by philanthropists or companies trying to bring a product or protocol to market. And we need the neutral, federally funded data to have more robust policy discussions on this issue. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. Where can folks keep up with the Psychedelic Medicine Coalition? Yeah, so we are online at psychedelicmedicinecoalition.org. We've got some big things planned for the next year. And um, there's going to be there's a lot of work to do. So um, please reach out if you want to get involved. We're also on all of the social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, although I don't know how many people are using Twitter these days. <laughs> it's a whole other <laughs> uh, story. It's a whole other <laughs> segment for you guys. And before you go, we've got an exciting CCDC update. We're interviewing Bill Nye. Yep, that Bill Nye. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Very soon, and we would love your input. Did you know that he grew up right here in D.C.? What else would you like to know about him? Email us at dc at citycast.fm or leave us a voicemail by calling 202-642-2654. Okay, now to some actual local news. Later today, D.C. Council is meeting to possibly put some hard deadlines on eliminating the tipped minimum wage. Council member Anita Bonds is leading the charge to have the first wage increase take effect on March 1st. 
up until now, it's been pretty unclear when exactly that would be implemented, which makes it hard for restaurants and servers to plan ahead. Meanwhile, the Nats' spring training is around the corner, and the current owners seem to be reevaluating their sales strategy. It's starting to look more likely that the Lerner family will take on a minority partner instead of selling outright. Of course, there is always a chance that they won't sell at all. So batter up to whoever can fork over the cash for the baseball team. And lastly, Montgomery County School Board has approved switching to virtual learning on snow days. So big bummer for MoCo kids who love sledding and snowball fights. The new plan would ideally only be used when inclement weather shuts the building down for multiple days. Not every snow day will be virtual. The plan still has to be approved by the state's Department of Education. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. And if you've enjoyed the show, why not tell your most psychedelic friend and get them to subscribe to our morning newsletter too. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.